the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to the Georgine Rice Show podcast. This program was originally broadcast live on 93.9 KPDQ. We hope you enjoy the show. Well, good afternoon and welcome to the Thursday edition of the Georgine Rice Show. James Blend is producing and, wait for it, engineering today's program. Looking forward to a conversation in our second hour with Jeff Tracy, also known as JT, the Cowboy Cook. He's the host of Barbecue Nation, the only nationally syndicated radio show covering cooking styles and techniques, along with the outdoor living lifestyle. Heard Saturdays from 2 to 4 p.m. on AM 860, The Answer, one of our sister stations, and it's syndicated on over 100 stations nationwide as well. The Cowboy Cook on the grilling season coming up in our second hour of today's program. But we'll begin with a look at some of the day's headlines. For me, the top headline, the KPDQ Pastors Masters is back for 2023. We're inviting area pastors and ministry leaders to join us for a day of golf and fellowship at the KPDQ Pastors Masters Golf Tournament presented by Adventist Health Portland. Monday, July the 17th at the beautiful Langdon Farms Golf Club in Aurora. That's just south of Wilsonville. It's an 18-hole golf scramble. It starts at 8 a.m., followed by a delicious buffet lunch. The cost to attend, just $25. 18 holes of golf, $25. And for the first 50 pastors to register, they'll also receive a Pastors Masters ball cap suitable for framing. Okay, maybe not suitable for framing. It's a cap after all, but you get the idea. Well, taking a look at the news, the Supreme Court today issued a ruling narrowing the federal government's authority, regulating bodies of water and effectively upending the Biden administration policy that recently went into effect. The high court's unanimous nine to zero decision. It was delivered by Justice Samuel Alito. It rejected the Environmental Protection Agency's broad definition of waters of the United States. The case centered on Michael and Chantel Sackett. They're two Idaho residents whom the EPA prohibited from building a home near a wetland years ago, citing the Clean Air Act of 1972. The EPA ordered the Sacketts to restore the site, threatening penalties of over $40,000 per day. Alito's majority opinion stated the EPA classified the wetlands of the Sacketts a lot as waters of the United States because they were near a ditch that fed into a creek, which fed into Priest Lake a navigable interstate lake. Well, the Sacketts sued, alleging that their property was not waters of the United States. Well, the ruling ultimately held that the federal government's uh, uh, WATUS, W-O-T-U-S, that's the, uh, the policy that this decision was originally made on, the definition must be restricted to a water source with a continuous surface connection to major bodies of water. And while the decision was unanimous on the merits, the court split 5-4, unsurprisingly, on determining how the federal government should go about defining water sources. Understanding the CWA to apply to wetlands that are distinguishable from otherwise covered waters of the United States would substantially broaden existing statute to define navigable waters as waters of the United States and adjacent 
Wetlands, uh, Alito wrote in the decision. Well, the ruling, which was cheered by Republican lawmakers and groups representing landowners, comes months after the EPA finalized and implemented a new Waters decision. Waters of the United States. Well, the House on Thursday passed legislation that would permanently classify fentanyl-related substances as Schedule One drugs that are subject to the toughest federal prison terms and penalties over the objection of most Democrats. Lawmakers approved the Halt All Lethal Trafficking of Fentanyl Act in a 289-133 vote that saw 132 Democrats oppose the bill, even though the White House signaled support for it. In the final vote, 74 Democrats supported the bill and only one Republican voted against it. Supporters of the bill have argued that there are thousands of fentanyl um, analogies that cannot be analyzed quickly enough to understand which are harmful and which are not, which is why all fentanyl-related substances need to be classified as Schedule 1. FRS has uh, been temporarily classified that way on an emergency basis since 2018, and the House bill would make that permanent. Well, the HALT Fentanyl Act uh, would permanently schedule all fentanyl-related substances not otherwise scheduled into Schedule uh, 1 of the Controlled Substances Act as a class and expedite research into fentanyl-related substances, which the administration has long supported, the White House said this week. But during the floor debate on the bill, several Democrats argued against it by saying the penalties it imposes for producing and selling fentanyl um, analogs would fall unfairly on minorities. Representative Cindy uh, Dove, a Democrat from California, said the bill is a repeat of the war on drugs from the 1980s that will result in jail time for black and brown people. Did we learn nothing from the war on drugs? I guess not, she said. Well, the L.A. Dodgers decision to invite, disinvite and then reinvite the LGBT activist group Sisters of Perpetual Indulgence shows they chose advocacy over the altar. Well, Bishop Robert Barron, he's the most famous Catholic bishop in the United States, has encouraged a boycott of the Los Angeles Dodgers over their relationship with anti-Catholic drag queen troop. The bishop said Catholics had no other recourse showing their disapproval since the Dodgers are clearly not responding to a decent appeal to reason. The Los Angeles Dodgers have made it clear to Catholics and all people of goodwill that they think mockery of the sacred beliefs of the Catholic faith is something that they support and will reward with honors and commendation. He added, it's not enough for the Catholic laity to experience a catharsis because a bishop has spoken up about this. Uh, They need to take action to let the Dodgers organization know that their position is not just disappointing, it is unacceptable. Well, Barron, who previously served as an auxiliary uh, bishop in Los Angeles, posted a video to his social media Thursday lamenting the Dodgers' decision to re-invite the Sisters of Perpetual Indulgence to their upcoming Pride Night event. Look, I was an auxiliary bishop for six years in L.A. I threw out the first pitch at a Dodgers game a few years ago. But I'd encourage my friends back there, boycott the Dodgers, the prelate said. The 62-year-old is currently serving as the bishop of the Diocese of Winona, Rochester, in Minnesota. He also draws millions of views a month through his uh, Word uh, Word on Fire ministry. Uh, Barron pointed to previous performances by the group, including one instance in which a drag queen pulled Jesus Christ down from the cross and began pole dancing. Uh, a reason to consider the sisters an anti-Catholic hate group. For Catholics, it's hard to imagine anything more offensive than that. Well, I won't go into other examples that were given 
But the Dodgers decided to capitulate and reinvite the group they had previously uninvited. A bombshell of newly uncovered information reveals the Biden administration used federal funds to wage a covert war of dirty tricks designed to destroy the reputations of prominent Christian organizations, several highly respected conservative public policy groups, a major cable news network, and even the Republican National Committee. Now, these groups are among the targets of a program aiming to systematically delegitimize political dissent beyond the president's own party. Well, under the administration's direction, the Department of Homeland Security has funneled 40 million taxpayer dollars away from bona fide anti-terrorism programs and into a weaponized operation deceptively known as the Targeted Violence and Terrorism Prevention Grant Program. Originally conceived to target terrorists and violent gangs, the administration hijacked the program and subsumed it within the DHS Center for Prevention, Programs and Partnerships, a terrorist task force reimagined for political ends. In an internal memo obtained exclusively by the media research center Free Speech America, the Department of Homeland Security Secretary Alejandro Mayorkas himself characterizes the program as a high priority. The 80 organizations that comprise the TVTP network uh, receive grants ranging from $85,000 to $1.9 million and attend DHS-sponsored training seminars aimed at stifling viewpoints the administration euphemistically refers to as terrorist-level threats, namely those of political opponents. In Ohio, the University of Dayton received a 352,109 TVTP grant to establish Prevents OH an operation guised as an effort to fight domestic violence, extremism, and hate. Well, as a part of its grant application to secure this funding, Prevents uh, Ohio included a graph uh, titled The Pyramid of Far-Right Radicalization, in which it identifies the violent extremists uh, it works to suppress, including the Christian Broadcasting Network, that's CBN, the Heritage Foundation, Fox News, Turning Point USA, Prager U the National Rifle Association, Breitbart News, the American Conservative Union Foundation, and even the Republican National Committee. Michael Lodenthal of the University of Cincinnati rather, presented the chart and other charts at a Prevents OH uh, seminar to teach students how to fight against speech with which they disagree on social media platforms like Telegram, Facebook, and Rumble. Your tax dollars at work. A self-described anarchist organizer and insurgent, Lodenthal, uh, has long been associated with Antifa, a group that has uh, initiated a harrowing acts of violence across the nation. A lot of things we're doing are illegal, he boasted in a Prevents Ohio video of its white nationalism workshop. A lot of it involves breaking the law, again, boasting. And while DHS and most grantees stonewalled against repeat Freedom of Information asked, uh, asked Act requests evidence acquired from three other sources show that the Ohio or uh, program guarantee uh, the grantee rather consider the prospect of the GOP winning back the uh, U.S. House in 2022 as a risk that had to be shared with the Department of Homeland Security. It comes as no surprise then that the grantee service area includes large portions of the district represented by Ohio Rep- a Republican Representative Jim Jordan, chairman of the House Judiciary Committee and House Select Subcommittee on Weaponization of Government, which oversees the program. Well, using the terminology associated with warfare and espionage, the Ohio, the Ohio Grantees Training Program instructs participants to use tradecraft to infiltrate and surveil conservative groups. Conference trainees learn the five steps by which 
anti-fascists gather information, including passive observation, join and listen, document, archive and map, active uh, intelligence and embed. Many Homeland Security program participants are trained to create dossiers and then observe, undermine, disrupt and infiltrate organizations. The Republican National Committee, the Christian Broadcasting Network, the Heritage Foundation, Fox News and many others are identified as far right extremists and linked to militant Nazis in the same seminar, painting an implied bullseye on the organizations. Now, this is so outrageous. It's it's almost hard to believe. Almost. But I've been around long enough to know that that's not the case. Uh, the TVTP program is far from President Joe Biden's first foray into the uh, tricks department. He has long and consistent history of wielding government power against his opponent. That includes his failed attempt to establish an Orwellian inspired ministry of truth, a.k.a. the disinformation government board. His recently exposed effort to fund the global disinformation index to attack conservative media outlets His plot with President Obama to put cops into newsrooms in um, 2014, which was stopped only by the Republican commissioner, Ajit Pai. He blew the whistle on this Federal Communications Commission project. And for four years uh, before uh, that, when the IRS targeted conservative Tea Party groups, well, the scandal plagued, uh, plagued administration's latest DHS disgrace needs to be investigated. It's past time for Mayorkas to go. And those responsible for criminal behavior must be prosecuted. Government persecution to quell political dissent has always been a hallmark of totalitarian regimes from East Germany to North Korea. And make no mistake, it has arrived in the United States of America. It is shameful and it is unacceptable. Well, a judge in Nashville ruled Wednesday that parents of victims from the March 27th Covenant School shooting can have a say on whether the shooter's writings should be kept secret. The judge ruled that parents of Covenant school victims have a right to intervene against organizations who want the shooter's writings to be made public and released in accordance to the Tennessee Public Records Act. Police in Nashville say that Audrey Hale, the transgender suspect and former student at the private Christian school, entered the building by shooting through a locked glass door around 10.13 a.m. and was armed with two rifles and a handgun. Three school employees were killed. Head of school, Catherine Kuntz, 60, Substitute teacher Cynthia Peake, 61, and custodian Mike Hill, also 61. Three students were also killed, all nine years old, Hallie Scruggs, Evelyn Dykehouse, and William Kenny. You're listening to The Georgine Rice Show. We'll be back in a moment. You're listening to The Georgine Rice Show podcast. It's aired on 93.9 KPDQ. Hey, welcome back. You're listening to The Georgine Rice Show. want to let you know that the West Coast Gospel Music Caravan is coming to this area, July the 11th, and um, I think the 10th and the 11th, I should say, KPDQ welcomes the Gospel Music Caravan Tour to Salem's Elsinore Theater on the 10th and the 11th of July. This two-day event features three concerts with some of the biggest names in Southern gospel music, including the Booth Brothers, Legacy Five, Greater Vision, The Hoppers, and more. If you love Southern gospel, you won't want to miss this event. You can get more information and buy your tickets at KPDQ. Also, a reminder coming up in the second hour, a conversation with, well, the king of grilling, Jeff Tracy, the cowboy cook, host of Barbecue Nation, will join me in the five o'clock hour. Gary Shapley, an Internal Revenue Service whistleblower, said that the federal agency slow walked its investigation into the finances of the president's son, Hunter. 
There were multiple steps that were slow walked, were just completely not done at the direction of the Department of Justice. The IRS agent told CBS News in his first public interview on Wednesday night. When I took control of this particular investigation, I immediately saw deviations from the normal process. It was way outside the norm of what I've experienced in the past. Had you ever encountered that before? The news anchor Jim Axelrod asked following Shapley's uh, comments. I have not. No. The 14 year IRS veteran maintained. I'm not involved with any of that stuff, Shapley added in the interview. It's not what I want to do. I'm just uh, simply not a political person. This is a job, and my oath of office is to treat everybody fairly that we investigate. Well, the probe, which first began in 2018, pertains to Hunter's taxes, as well as a false statement the president's son alleged allegedly made in connection with the purchase of a firearm. Last October, a leak first published in the Washington Post revealed that federal agents with the uh, the FBI and the IRS were confident that there was sufficient evidence to indict Hunter. It is a federal felony for a federal agent to leak information about a grand jury investigation such as this one. Chris Clark, an attorney representing the president's son, responded in an official statement to the newspaper at the time. Any agent you cite as a source in your article apparently has committed such a felony. We expect the Department of Justice will diligently investigate and prosecute such bad behavior. In mid-April, Shapley, then an anonymous criminal supervisory special agent, sought whistleblower protection from Congress in exchange for information concerning a failure to mitigate clear conflicts of interest in the ultimate disposition of the case. His letter, written by attorney Mark Lytle, stipulated that the case demonstrated preferential treatment and politics improperly infecting decisions and protocols that would normally be followed by career law enforcement professionals in similar circumstances if the subject were not politically connected. Well, the revelation led House Republicans to demand answers from the administration. It's deeply concerning that the Biden administration may be obstructing justice by blocking efforts to charge Hunter Biden for tax violations. Representative James Comer, chairman of the House Committee on Oversight and Accountability, said in a statement published at the time. It's clear from our investigation that Hunter and other members of the Biden family engaged in deceptive, shady business schemes to avoid scrutiny as they made millions from foreign adversaries like China. The Kentucky Republican went on to say, we'll follow the investigation wherever it goes. And if, in fact, the investigation is ultimately completed. Well, the Supreme Court has ruled in favor of the plaintiff in Tyler versus Hennepin County, finding that county officials violated the takings clause of the Fifth Amendment by seizing not only back taxes owed by an elderly homeowner, but also the equity she had accumulated in her condominium. The case centers around Geraldine Tyler, a 94-year-old woman, whose $40,000 home was seized by Hennepin County, Minnesota, due to $15,000 in unpaid taxes and fees. However, after the sale of the property, local officials kept the surplus $25,000 profit instead of returning the funds to Tyler. A taxpayer who loses her $40,000 house to the state to fulfill a $15,000 tax debt has made a far greater contribution to the public um, than the uh, than she owed. That's a quote from Chief Justice John Roberts, writing for the majority majority opinion published on Thursday. The taxpayer must render unto Caesar what is Caesar's, but no more. Well, the county argued that under state law, Tyler forfeited her remaining home equity and that the state did not seize the property to begin with. Well, this dangerous argument would give states carte blanche 
to define away property interest and violate the Fifth Amendment with impunity. States should not be allowed to so easily circumvent a core constitutional protection. A legal scholar, Thomas A. Berry and Isaiah McKinney, who submitted an, an amicus brief to the court on Tyler's behalf, wrote in National Review last month. The case was notable for the bipartisan support Tyler received, as the legal scholar Ilya Shapiro summarized in late April for the Washington Examiner. Progressive groups such as the Constitutional Accountability Center are aligned with conservative groups such as the Claremont Institute's Center for Constitutional Jurisprudence. The American Civil Liberties Union is uh, on a, a brief with the Cato Institute, the National Taxpayers Union Foundation, AARP, Chamber of Commerce, National Association of Home Builders, National Association of Retailers, National Consumer Law Center, and Public Citizens have all weighed in to help Tyler as have disability advocates and four of Minnesota's congressional representatives. Hennepin County, meanwhile, is supported mainly by state and municipal governments and related associations. Well, meanwhile, the justices avoided weighing in on the case's potential impact on the Eighth Amendment's protections against the excessive fines clause, given that their first ruling resolved uh, Tyler's core grievance. Because we find that Tyler has plausibly alleged a taking under the Fifth Amendment, and she agrees that the relief under the takings clause would fully remedy her harm, we need not decide whether she has also alleged an, an excessive fine under the Eighth Amendment. Well, organizers of a youth carnival sponsored by two Indiana LGBTQ plus associations and the Indianapolis Airport Authority will not allow parents to attend with their children. Well, according to an Instagram post by Indiana Youth Group, it is collaborating with Indy Pride to hold a carnival for youth, in quotes, ages 12 to 20. So parents are encouraged to just drop off their 12 year old to a carnival in quotes with 20 year olds at an activity center nicknamed the pit on June the 7th from one to six. What could possibly go wrong? The event restricted to those youth promises games, vendors, food, fun and unspecified entertainment in quotes. Indiana Youth Group describes itself as an organization that serves young people 12 to 24 who self-identify as LGBTQ+, as well as their ally peers. On its website, the group says it uh, strives to provide safer spaces to build self-confidence, explore individualism, and develop friendships within the LGBTQ+. community. Now, why adults' parents are not permitted to accompany their minors who are spending the uh, four hours, four or five hours with adults up to 20 years old with, in quotes, um, unspecified entertainment? Well, that's a, a, a good question. Moms for Liberty founder Tiffany Justice, whose group champions parents' rights, call the provision a red flag. Hey, we need to take a break. You're listening to The Georgine Rice Show. You're listening to The Georgine Rice Show podcast. It's aired on 93.9 KPDQ. Hey, we're back. You're listening to The Georgine Rice Show. Just before the break, I was talking about the Indiana Youth Group Youth Carnival, to which um, 12 to 20-year-olds are welcome with a valid ID. However, their parents are not. Well, parental rights advocates have expressed serious concern over the sexual content at so-called pride festivals and events over the last decade. Parents say that they've been shocked and horrified over overt sexual displays by drag queens performing and mimicking sexual acts in front of children at self-described family-friendly events. So there's reason for concern. In 2020, Indiana Youth Group launched Project PRISM, 
which it describes as a rapid rehousing project focused uh, specifically on serving LGBTQ plus youth and adults. The group says its uh, program rehoused uh, young adults from unsupportive homes and parents. Is that part of the effort this time around? They wonder. Indiana Youth Group CEO Chris Paulson told the Indianapolis Star that many of these um, youth are homeless due to a family rejection, adding after coming out to their family, youth are often thrown out of their homes or left feeling like they have no choice but to leave. It wasn't clear whether the Indiana Youth Group plans to use the youth carnival to advertise Project Prism free from parental supervision. Well, in other news, saying that he's running for president to lead our great America uh, comeback, Republican Governor Ron DeSantis of Florida formally launched his White House campaign in a video released by his political team. Our border is a disaster. Crime infests our cities. The federal government makes it harder for families to make ends meet. And the president flounders DeSantis charges in that video, which was shared first on Fox News on Wednesday. The governor argues that decline is a choice. Success is un- is attainable. The freedom is worth and freedom is worth fighting for. Riding the ship requires restoring sanity to our social, our society, normalcy to our communities and integrity to our institutions. Truth must be our foundation and common sense can no longer be an uncommon virtue. In Florida, we proved it can be done, end quote. His hat is now officially in the ring. Clay Travis called out Target Wednesday for their Pride products and said the company faces a real severe da- a da- a danger rather, of suffering damage for their bottom line in the same way as Bud Light. The OutKick founder joined Fox & Friends to react to reports that Target conven- convened an emergency meeting over the Uh, LGBTQ products, particularly clothing for transgender women. Uh, Most people go to Target because it's convenient and without any political agenda whatsoever. But so many brands have gone left wing and decided that they have to wave their politics in front of everyone out there. I would be nervous if I were Target CEO. He told uh, Ainsley Earhart, well, Target confirmed adjustments to the Pride merchandising plans are underway after um, it was learned it rolled back displays at some of its locations. Travis said the Bud Light boycott and ensuing sales decline sent an important message to the nation. No company ever had to react to um, losing as Bud Light is 28 percent of its overall sales volume as a result of going too far left. Uh, too far woke. And it's not just Target. There are marketing companies all over the world that are having meetings with big brands and saying, let's avoid being Bud Light. Travis suggested mothers and women respond to Target similarly to how fathers and men responded to Bud Light. Tina Turner has died. She was 83. The queen of rock and roll's death was announced on Wednesday on Instagram. She died Tuesday after a long illness in her home in Switzerland near Zurich, according to her manager. Artificial intelligence could become so powerful that it replaces professional experts in most domains within the next decade. OpenAI CEO Sam Altman warned. Altman, the chief of the AI lab behind popular platforms such as ChatGPT, published a blog post this week with two other OpenAI leaders, Greg Brockman and Ilya Sutskyver, a warning that we must mitigate the risks of today's AI technology. It's conceivable that within the next 10 years, AI systems will exceed expert skill levels in most domains and carry out as much productive activity as one of today's largest corporations, read the Post, published on OpenAI's website. Well, the House voted Wednesday to repeal President Biden's plan to forego more than $400 billion in federally backed student loan debt. 
Lawmakers approved a resolution disapproving of Biden's student loan forgiveness plan that was announced last year and is now stalled because of an ongoing legal battle. The Supreme Court is expected to consider the legality of the plan later this summer. On Wednesday, lawmakers voted 218 to 203 in an attempt to speed up the process and end the president's plan through legislation. Every Republican present voted to pass the resolution, along with just two Democrats. House Minority Leader Hakeem Jeffries of New York argued Wednesday that Republicans want to crash the economy to help former President Donald Trump win back the White House in 2024. Jeffries and his uh, two deputies in House Democrat leadership held a press conference as debt limit talks between White House aides and Speaker Kevin McCarthy's allies continue to show little progress, despite warnings that the U.S. government could run out of cash to pay its obligations in early June. What the House Republicans want is a dangerous default, Jeffries claims. They want to crash the economy. They want it to trigger a job-killing recession because they believe that it will improve their electoral prospects for the insurrectionist-in-chief who's going to be their nominee in November of 2024. The sad thing about this, agree or disagree, is the clear division within and lack of respect within the House and the Senate um, that does not bode well for Uh, the United States, to claim that all of your associates on one side of the political aisle are motivated by uh, this is a a sad revelation indeed. A senior FBI official stunned GOP members on Congress or of Congress on Tuesday um, upon testifying that she has not read or even been briefed on special counsel John Durham's report. Jill Murphy, the FBI's deputy assistant director of counterintelligence, said during a hearing that she has not had time to read the report that was released early last month, though she intends to get to it. The report, which came at the conclusion of a years long inquiry, heavily criticized the FBI probe into alleged links between Donald Trump's 2016 campaign and Russia. Representative August Plufer said the FBI's deputy assistant director of counterintelligence tells Homeland GOP, I haven't read the Durham report. It's a sad day. California Governor Gavin Newsom on Tuesday slammed Target's chief executive for pulling LGBTQ and Pride Month merchandise from store shelves after facing backlash and threats of violence from some customers. Target announced it was making adjustments to our plans to promote and sell Pride Month merchandise, which has been on sale since the beginning of May ahead of the uh, month of June. Target attributed the decision to... Uh, the well be to volatile circumstances that were impacting staff's sense of safety and well-being while at work. France has banned short distance domestic flights. So the French government dictates how and where people can travel. The New York Times reports that when the French government officially enacted a ban on short domestic flights this week, it hailed the measure as proof that France was at the vanguard of ambitious climate change policies. But critics say it's much ado about nothing, at first glance, the promise would seem to have been kept. Any flight between two cities that can be replaced by a train ride of less than 2.5 hours is banned. In a country smaller than Texas and with an extensive high-speed rail network, that would appear to rule out a large number of domestic flights. We're going to take a quick break, but we will continue to wind our way through some of the day's headlines. And coming up in the second hour of today's program, a conversation with, well, the king of grilling. Jeff Tracy, the cowboy cook and host of Barbecue Nation to help you prepare for the coming 
holiday weekend. We'll be back. You're listening to the Georgine Rice Show podcast. It's aired on 93.9 KPDQ. Hey, welcome back. You're listening to the Georgine Rice Show. Glad to have you with us. Coming up in our second hour, Jeff Tracy. We're going to talk about grilling, barbecuing, and all related subjects. Also want to let you know at KPDQ, we want to help you make your Father's Day celebration extra special this year. You can enter now, and if you are a grand prize winner, you'll receive $2,000 cash for your dad in the Father's Day contest. And to increase your chance to win, you can enter once every day, now through the 15th of June. Plus, you can choose to complete uh, optional activities to earn more bonus entries. Enter to win and find all the important details at kpdq.com. Well, the Federal Trade Commission is investigating whether baby formula makers colluded on bids for lucrative state contracts. The agency, in documents posted in its website, said it's looking into whether Abbott Laboratories and other formula manufacturers had engaged in collusion or coordination with any other market participant regarding the bidding for state contracts. The FTC is also investigating whether company coordination affected sales more broadly outside of the women, infants and children's formula supply program. The FTC commissioner stated the highly concentrated baby formula market is dominated by three major players, including Abbott which the FTC says controls nearly half of the market. State agencies that administer the program bid out multi-year contracts to formula suppliers, according to the FTC. The manufacturer offering the lowest average net price becomes the sole infant formula supplier for that contract period. More than half of infant formula sales in the U.S. are made through the WIC program. However, it's been argued that these contracts can be lucrative because they can also lead to a boost in commercial sales and significantly increase the winning company's market share in a given state. Well, no more drag queen story time for kids in Montana. On Monday, Montana Republican Governor Greg Gianfort signed House Bill 359, a bill that bans minors from attending sexually oriented shows. And no spies to see here. The Swalwell investigation has closed. California Democrat Representative Eric Swalwell is no longer being investigated by the House Ethics Committee. On Tuesday, the committee announced that it was closing its two-year investigation into Swalwell in regards to his relationship with a suspected Chinese spy. Despite the committee's determination that no further action in this matter was needed, Chairman Michael Guest cautioned that members should be conscious of the possibility that foreign governments may attempt to secure improper influence through gifts and other interactions. Swalwell saw the decision as vindication, surmising that if the intent in bringing the complaint and leveling false smears was to silence me, that is not going to happen. A study confirms that there is no evidence that veterans lean toward extremism. No, U.S. military veterans do not have a higher tendency toward embracing radical or extremist ideologies, such as white supremacy or Antifa. The Biden administration had explicitly sought to give credence to dubious claims that American veterans are more vulnerable to becoming ideological extremists. But a recent study from the Rand Corporation throws cold water all over that allegation. The study found there was no evidence to support the notion that the veteran community as a whole manifests higher rates of support for violent groups or extremist beliefs than the American public. 
The, R- the IRS, rather, really went after the journalist Matt Tybee. Well, House Judiciary Committee Chairman Jim Jordan sent a letter to the IRS on Wednesday seeking answers for the agency's apparent targeting of journalist Matt Tybee. Tybee was one of the three journalists whom Elon Musk granted inside access to the Twitter files that exposed the degree of federal government collusion with social media companies to censor Americans' free speech. The record shows that the IRS first targeted Tybee following his first reporting on the Twitter files and subsequently sent agents to his home the day he testified before Congress. Jordan compared the IRS actions against Tybee to the infamous targeting of conservative groups seeking tax-exempt status just over a decade ago under the... Obama administration. Jordan wrote the circumstances of the IRS visit to Mr. Tybee's home as he was testifying to Congress about government abuse and censorship raised troubling questions that demand additional answers. Tybee has also released a new report in which he states when the IRS checks to see if you have a carry permit and visit your home at a time when you uh, owe them um, uh, when they owe you money rather let me clarify that when they owe you money it's time to worry. Well, on Tuesday, the World Health Organization head, Dr. Tedros, uh, warned a World Health Assembly forum to despite uh, that rather, despite COVID-19 no longer being a global pandemic, it still remains a threat. Tedros stated, and I quote, the threat of another variant emerging that causes new surges of disease and death remains the threat of another pathogen emerging with even deadlier potential remains. No kidding, Sherlock. Tell us something we didn't know. Nobody imagined it would go on this long. A report finds Bud Light is facing an unbelievable boycott after the Mulvaney controversy. Black Lives Matter is headed for insolvency after plunging $8.5 million into the red. President Biden will announce C.Q. Brown as the Joint Chiefs Chair nominee. Four House Democrats join Republicans to save the truckers. And a federal court dealt a blow to the ATF pistol brace rule ahead of a gun accessory registration deadline. Social media can put young people in danger, according to the U.S. Surgeon General, in a warning. And New York Governor Hochul plans to house hundreds of illegal immigrants on State University of New York college campuses. And as mentioned before, France has banned short domestic flights over climate worries, but private jet flights still are still allowed. On this day in history, 1927, Ford ends production of the Model T after 20 years. 1935, Babe Ruth hits his last three career home runs. Hmm. Um, 712, 713, and 714 for the Boston Braves in a game against the Pittsburgh Pirates. 1961, President John F. Kennedy tells Congress, I believe that this, this nation should commit itself to achieving the goal before this decade is out of landing a man on the moon and returning him safely to the earth. 1965, Muhammad Ali knocks out Sonny Liston in the first round of their world heavyweight title rematch in Lewiston, Maine. Ali's uh, victory generates controversy over whether he truly connected with he sent uh, Liston crashing to the canvas with a, a right to the head or whether it was a phantom punch implying that the fight was fixed. On this day in history, 1986, an estimated 7 million Americans participate in Hands Across America to raise money for the nation's hungry and homeless. 2008, NASA's Phoenix Mars lander arrives on the red planet to uh, to begin searching for evidence of water. The spacecraft confirms the presence of water ice at its landing site. 2012, SpaceX becomes the first commercial spacecraft to dock at the International Space Station. And on this day in history, 2017, surrounded by stone-faced allies, 
President Donald Trump rebukes fellow NATO members for failing to meet the military alliance's financial benchmarks. And finally, on this day in history, 2018, Harvey Weinstein is charged in New York with rape and another sex felony in the first prosecution to result from the wave of allegations against him. Well, coming up in our second hour, a conversation with someone who knows what he's doing at the grill. We're going to talk with Jeff Tracy. He is also known as the Cowboy Cook. He's the host of Barbecue Nation, the only nationally syndicated radio show on that subject. Heard Saturdays from 2 to 4 p.m. on AM 860, The Answer, and syndicated on over 100 stations nationwide. The Cowboy Cook on grilling season when we return at the after news and traffic here at the top of the hour. You're listening to The Georgine Rice Show, and we'll be back. You're listening to The Georgine Rice Show podcast. It's aired on 93.9 KPDQ. Well, good afternoon, and welcome to the second hour of The Georgine Rice Show. Hey, ladies and gentlemen, it's that time of the year. Get out the charcoal, the propane, get the grill out, the Traeger, whatever you happen to have. It is grilling season. And so today we're going to uh, we're going to talk to a master, somebody who knows what he's doing. Now, if you want to know about barbecue and grilling, you don't want to talk to me. You want to talk to my next guest, Jeff Tracy, also known as JT, the cowboy cook. He's the host of Barbecue Nation, the only nationally syndicated radio show covering cooking styles and techniques along with the outdoor living lifestyle, heard Saturdays from 2 to 4 on AM 860, The Answer. And by the way, syndicated on over 100 stations nationwide. Uh, JT joins us today to help those of us who are perhaps a bit less skilled uh, to be able to, um, you know, to throw down on this holiday weekend and throughout the remainder of the summer. Although I think he would argue there isn't a season. It just happens to be a way of life all year round. Jeff Tracy? It is so good to have you back. Hi, Princess. How are you? <laughs> I'm doing well, Your Majesty. <laughs> I refer to him as Your Highness because he is the king of the grill. <laughs> it's good well, to have you. Well, you're my favorite, so there you go. <laughs> well, thank you. That's, that's why you're the, my princess. That's, that's all good. <laughs> okay, I can let, tell you this, folks. Georgian, yeah. Georgine, excuse me, uh, she is always very warm and friendly when I stop and talk to her, when I actually make an appearance at the radio station. Uh, (laughs) She's always there. She always greets me. She always gives me a hug. She's just super. So your listeners out there, they've got the right person on the dial, so to speak. Yeah, well, I appreciate that. Of course, you're easy to you're easy to love, so it's not oh. uh, it's not a hardship. <laughs> hey, I want to start at the ground level because for those of us who would consider ourselves novices, we need the basics. So maybe we can start there. Uh, which is safer, and which do you prefer, gas or charcoal, or does it make a difference based on what you're planning on grilling slash barbecuing? Well, the the gas grills are the number one selling grills in the country. I mean, because they're easy, uh, their charcoal is actually the lowest maintenance as far as that goes, but they're easy. You can turn them on and off. You get it fired up, you know, you get it up to temperature and you start cooking. Charcoal takes a little bit longer. Plus charcoal will, um, you know, when you're done with the cook, you still got hot coals there to contend with. So that's that's one thing. I mean, you can shut the vents, put the lid on it, and they will eventually die out. And also the, the pellet grills. You know, pellet grills yeah. are very easy. And 
uh, here in the Northwest, not far, about 12 miles from my house is where they first kind of came to fruition, the Traeger grills. And they're pretty easy, but I think really, Georgine, that they, the, the gas grills are uh, preeminent in this because you can go home, you can turn them on, um, get them up to temperature very shortly and be ready to cook. So if you come home, you turn them on, you go in, you put your change your clothes after work, you're back, you're ready to cook by the time you get back out to the deck type thing. So uh, I really think they're, uh, I, I cook with all of them uh, of and then some other, <laughs> yeah, some other types of cookers. But the, uh, as far as convenience, I would have to rate it like gas, then pellet, then charcoal. That in that order like that. My dad was a barbecuer. He came from Omaha, Nebraska. He had his own signature sauce that he never passed on to us before he passed on, which is one of my life's greatest regrets. But he would never have gone with um, with a anything other than charcoal. I mean, he stood there mm-hmm. all day long. I, I, it was such a joy for him, and I think it took him back to being in Nebraska, and that's the way they did it. Uh, now, you're not like the rest of us. You're not just looking for what's easy, unless, you know, you've got a short time. What do you prefer as the way you cook your stuff? Um, well, when I've got stuff, I uh, I normally, I, out of all of them, I cook probably on the pellet grill the most. Because I can kind of get the best of both worlds, I can get that that smoky flavor of a of a charcoal grill, um, yet I can get the ease and convenience of of working with pellets because they're not messy. Um, unless you then you got a mess. But uh, <laughs> if you just are cooking with them, you know they get up to temperature fairly quickly. Uh, you can put it on there, and then on most of the pellet grills. You can there. Most of them are have an electronic component to them now. Um, they always have had some part of them electronic, but not. But now it's not just the auger and the firebox uh, type thing. It's you can adjust the temperatures. There's little gauges on it. You can put probes into larger pieces of meat. Um, they've they've got all kinds of uh, fancy gizmos on them, as we might say, but. Um, Really, I think the the pellet grills kind of give you the best of both worlds. And they, you know, some people will say, well, you can't get them up hot enough to sear something or that. The, the ones that are out there now, you can. They have, uh, you know, temperatures that can get up above 600, 700. You want to be very careful when you're messing around with something that hot, but you can get them up there. And, you know, not, not to get off in the weeds here, but when people say, I have to have a, a, a 900 degree searing station on my grill, well, you can get that on the gas. Um, and some of them, there's combination units now. But really, when you want to sear something, you know, if you can get... 550 to 650 up there you can sear at that temperature Uh, yeah you can do pretty good and and it's a little safer yeah let me ask you about public grills you know this is a holiday weekend coming up a lot of people are Mm -hmm. going someplace in their public grills is it um, safe to to cook on a public grill and any suggestions when you approach one that looks like it's been there for several generations <laughs> yeah, I I think that you you basically fire up the grill and and most of those are going to be charcoal. 
Uh, you can use wood in them too if you really want to go old school on that, which is fine. The main thing is to, you know, burn off the junk. Um, there's crust and rust and things like that on them. You can take a, a scraper. I'm not particularly fond of uh, metal brush scrapers because sometimes they can get a little piece of the metal off one yes. of the the fibers can can break off and get stuck there and can end up in the food and then that's not a good situation all the way around. But if you get it hot enough on there, uh, you can you can take. Um, uh, you know, uh, what we would call, what, a putty knife, I guess, for lack of a better term. You can use that, scrape off the big pieces. Uh, you can also, um, there's other attachments that are synthetic now that you can buy at the hardware store that will help you clean the grills without the the metal, um, you know, like a wire brush type thing. You don't have to use those anymore. And then I would put... Um, after you've got that pretty much cleaned off and stuff, I would take a little paper towel and put a little oil on it. Not olive oil. Olive oil sucks and, and combusts and gets rancid at higher temperatures. Um, olive oil is pretty much made for indoor cooking in your, you know, in your skillets and stuff like oh, that. Good to know. But take a little vegetable oil, put it on a, a paper towel or a rag. Don't burn your hands and put it on the, rub it on the grates. Um, while they're still warm, and then you should be ready to cook. All right. We're talking about how to barbecue, how to grill. Um, your thoughts on sauce. Do you make your own sauce, or do you uh, buy the, the ready-made stuff, and what style do you prefer? I guess it depends on what you're making, but do you have a preference? Well, for I, I always look at it and say, what would my guests like? Um, you know, if you're it's holiday weekend, uh, if you're having people over to the house and you're and you're going to cook for them, what would they like? Now, if they've got a palate that's not really adventuresome, then you'd probably want to stay with uh, Kansas City style. That may be much like the sauce your father made years ago. It's a, kind of a tomato base. Mm -hmm. It's a little sweeter. It help, it'll have some garlic and other seasonings in it like that. And that's what I think most people identify, especially here in the Northwest, um, with with barbecue sauce. Okay, I don't. I used to make my own, but there's so many good sauces out there on the market now that uh, you don't need to do that. I mean, the number one selling sauce in the company is one called Sweet Baby Ray's. If you've been to any grocery store. Well, big or small, you've probably seen it on the yep. shelf, uh, you know, and if something like Sweet Baby Ray's is not zippy enough for you, you can certainly add things to it. You know, you could add a little chili powder or Worcestershire or molasses or whatever you want. If you want to get that uh, flavor profile up to your personal standards, but as an off-the-shelf one that's readily available to most people, Sweet Baby Ray's is uh, the number one seller out there. And it, it works really good. Now, I'm very fortunate because I have people send me samples of sauces all the time. Uh, they come on the show, they want to, they, you know, they want me to try their products. And, and that's great. If you ever come by the house, I'll load you up with a box <laughs> of stuff. <laughs> so, um, 
And I get them all over. You know, if you're talking about the Carolinas, you know, vinegar-based or mustard and vinegar-based ones. Texas, they don't use too much sauce as far as they put it on the side. They don't they don't ever glaze it or baste it. Uh, their meat, there's pretty much the holy trinity of barbecue, which is salt, pepper, and garlic. And they will use that in, in the Texas area. When you go up to Kansas City, uh, Nebraska, those areas, then you're talking more about that KC-style um, sauce. If you go back to Memphis, which right now Memphis is Memphis in May is going on, I believe, and that's a big hog cooking deal. That's a, a little more savory, a little thinner sauce, not thick like the Kansas City style. So there's a lot of different ones, and there's really a sauce out there for every palate. Uh, the main thing is find one that you like and that your family will enjoy. Yeah, lots to, you know. lots to choose from. Well, you know, this is America. There's a sauce for everyone. <laughs> so yes, you can ex- You can there explore. Is. We need to take a quick break, but I'll continue my conversation with Jeff Tracy, also known as JT, the cowboy cook and host of Barbecue Nation, heard on our sister station, AM 860, from 2 to 4 on Saturdays. Quick break. We'll be back. You're listening to The Georgine Rice Show. You're listening to The Georgine Rice Show podcast. Is aired on 93.9 KPDQ. Hey, welcome back. You're listening to The Georgine Rice Show, and I'm continuing my conversation with the master of the grill, the barbecue, Jeff Tracy. He has fond memories of sitting at a dinner table with his own family, and he's set about changing the world one recipe at a time, one grill at a time, supporting families who are also looking for a way to connect at the dinner table. He says Western living is about bringing people together, building relationships that last, and where uh, better to do that than around the table. He's earned his reputation over 20-plus years in the entertainment industry. He's appeared in movies. He's had a part of a reality series for Discovery Channel. He's appeared in many TV commercials and appearances as the Cowboy Cook on ABC TV affiliates. And in his spare time, I'm not sure how he has any spare time, he's um, uh, written for several magazines with stories focused on food and fun. Now, by the way, the title, The Cowboy Cook, it's related to his fame in the horse world, where he won a number of national championships and world titles starting at age 16. Wow, he's uh, has quite a quite a profile. Anyway, we're talking about how you can impress your guests at your next uh, event, which very likely will be this weekend, given that Memorial Day is coming up on Monday. Well, we've talked a little bit about sauce. I know that you hooked me up a couple of years ago with a great rub. Uh, are rubs becoming more uh, popular these days as well? Oh yeah, you know um, when you just pick a. A mainstream retailer, uh, Fred Meyers or Kroger's, because that's the parent company, or Safeway. You know, 10 years ago or so, you walked in there and you might find, excuse me, um, you might find two or three rubs, and they were all by the big boys, uh, Schilling, McCormick, Mm -hmm. that type of thing. And now when you go down the barbecue aisle, there's dozens and dozens of them. There's literally thousands of rubs out there now uh you can you can make your own if you want to um which is a lot of work to get it right but if you go to one of the big stores or you go you can go to an ace hardware store now because they're very big into barbecue Mm -hmm. and they have a whole aisle of rubs and sauces so the point is is there's Again, much like sauces, there's rubs that are sweeter, some that are 
have a little more kick to them, a little more fire, some that are more savory, some that have very little salt in them, and they're based on, you know, herbs and um, um, regular regular seasonings. Uh, a lot of them are, you know, paprika or pepper-based. Um, you need salt in, in your rubs. I mean, you just do to, unless you've got some issue that you can't ingest salt, but you really need to have it because this little science here, salt is the only thing that will actually permeate into the meat. Um, you know, a lot of people will say, well, you can marinate this and, and leave it overnight, or you can rub this on there and, you know, leave it, uh, you know, for two hours or whatever. That's all well and good, and you will still taste that. There's nothing wrong with that. But the science behind it is that salt is the only one that will actually um, get into the meat tissue of whatever it is you're cooking, because it's just the way there's only two molecules in salt and the other stuff has got dozens you know because mm -hmm. they're combinations so um just a little little barbecue science there for you georgie yeah that's really um, really good to know yeah but you know you can do that but as far as back to the rubs find one that you like there's there's very good ones there's some rubs that come out of the northwest um you know sugars barbecue up in vancouver uh, that's Lene Oxley. She makes uh, some good rubs. There's some other ones around here. Um, if you if you hop online, there's tons of rubs. My buddy Meathead Goldwyn mm -hmm. from AmazingRibs.com, he just launched a new line of rubs that he created about, oh, I suppose, about a year ago now. And you can get those online. Um, my radio partner, uh, Leanne Whippen, who's in the Hall of Fame, she has one called Pig Powder. It's a wonderful rub, and it's it's not just for pork. You can use it on chicken or steak and whatever. I really like it on both both pork and chicken. But it's called Pig Powder. It was invented by her father, and uh, you just go to. I'm not giving her a pitch, but I kind of am. Just go to pigpowder.com <laughs> if you want to try it. But it's really good. Uh, and it's kind of a versatile rub. A lot of them will say, well, this, this rub is designed for brisket or this rub is designed for ribs or what have you. Um, I try to find rubs that are more uh, um, widespread in, in their usage, and it works out a lot better for the way I cook and for who I cook for. Yeah, yeah. Well, I want to talk a little bit about steak. Uh, when I was growing up, you only barbecued ribs. My dad did the charcoal. He had one of those big tubs that was halved, and, you know, he'd stand mm -hmm. out there all day cook slow cooking that meat. And, you know, at the end of the day, you just were about to kill yourself waiting for that, <laughs> that taste of barbecue with his special sauce. Uh, do you yep. have a preference or a recommendation on the best uh, steaks to, to grill? Uh, skirt steak, flat iron steak. What do you think? Ribeyes. Ribeye. Yeah, ribeye is absolutely the number one. I mean, a lot of people might say fillets. Fillets are great, but the number one selling steak across the country, um, I've been in some foreign countries, and their version of a ribeye was not quite like ours. But... Um, I would say ribeyes are the number ones, and then maybe New York's after that uh, go because they're easier to cook. You know, the ribeye's got 
um, kind of the heart or the eye of the of the ribeye, which is the center part, and then it's mm-hmm. got that little fatty layer around the outside that's called the spinellus, which is the part I really like because it's all fatty. You know, <laughs> that's I where love the it. flavor is. That's where all the flavor <laughs> is. But those are the two that are that are probably the most most prevalent as far as that. I mean, you can cook anything if you want to cook a you know a, a top sirloin steak that's fine that's perfectly fine and they're delicious but uh you know if somebody says hey come on over we're going to be cooking ribeyes tonight which usually means come on over you're going to be cooking the ribeyes tonight as far as (laughs) what i do but 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 those are really the best and then there's you know there's some other things too they take tri-tips and they strip them out and they make strip steaks out of them those are very good they're a lot less money than um, than ribeyes and or New York's, you know, because if you look at a T-bone, you know, you, you've got a little of the fillet on one side and, and you got a little um, strip on the other side and, and those are very good. Uh, some people love, uh, you know, T-bones. I'll, I'll eat anything, as you know. You've been around me long <laughs> enough to know I'll pretty, pretty much consume any piece of dead animal. But... Uh, <laughs> You know, it worries me, though, that they changed the roadkill laws here in Oregon a couple of years ago. So I'm, you always got to be a little more cautious. But um, seriously, yeah, I think ribeyes are the best. And and uh, the, the thing, too, is you always want to make sure that they get up to um, a proper temperature uh, before you pull them off the grill. And for me, that temperature is like at 125 degrees because I like medium rare. Now, if you look at government charts and different temperature charts from different people, that range can go anywhere from 125 to 135, which is okay. Um, Anything over like 140, you get up to 140 or 150, you're kind of chewing on a Reebok. But (laughs) the, but you know, if you like it with still some, some pink and some, juiciness in there you you know 130 is a good temperature to shoot for so when you take it off the grill at 125 130 by the time you eat it because it needs to rest i would imagine is it has it reached five degrees more or does it start to cool off right away okay well let me let me throw something at you here the resting part is kind of a old wives tale Ah. um that a lot of people will say it and it's you know, and if they want to do that, that's perfectly fine. We're still a free country for, <laughs> for a, a while, minute. I think, <laughs> for a minute or two. But um, I like to pull them off and serve them while they're still hot. Um, just because you've got all that flavor and you've got the, the juiciness and, um, you know, it it's there. If you let them sit, there, that temperature will increase for a very short period of time. And then it'll start to cool off. And so, uh, you know, that temperature may last only for a minute or two or three. And then, uh, especially on a smaller piece of meat. Now, on a bigger piece of meat, like a roast or a brisket or a tri-tip, it'll last, a, you know, a couple minutes longer. But it really starts to to decline in temperature. And then um, then it's a foot race to the to the plate, you know, before yeah. it gets too cold like that. So I, I just, uh, I just pull them off and, or if they're, you know, if it's an outside deal to completely have them walk by the grill and put one on their plate. 
right then. Well, I do like a hot plate of meat as opposed to yes. uh, tepid. Yeah. All right. James yeah. says we need to take a break, so I do whatever James tells me to do. So we'll do just that. I understand. <laughs> Again, we're talking with JT. Jeff Tracy is the Cowboy Cook, host of the Barbecue Nation, the only nationally syndicated radio show covering cooking styles and techniques, along with the outdoor living lifestyles. Heard Saturdays from 2 to 4 on AM 860 the answer and syndicated all over the country we'll be back in a moment you're listening to the georgine rice show podcast is aired on 93.9 kpdq hey welcome back you're listening to the georgine rice show continuing my conversation with the master of grilling jeff tracy the cowboy cook host of barbecue nation now, you know, I like a good piece of, of meat from the grill, whether that's a piece of pork or a chicken or a steak. Uh, hamburgers to me aren't very thrilling and sausages I just don't really get. So I wanted to talk a little bit about what people grill in in terms of sausage. Is there any trick to it? Is the, <laughs> your thoughts on it? Is that one of the things you enjoy grilling or as uh, you put it earlier, you grill what the people want? Yeah, I always look at Excuse me. I, I always look at things like sausage, um, even chicken drumsticks, as kind of appetizers, teasers, mm-hmm. um, you know, grazing type food. Um, and that's one of the things I like to do, too. When we're having a a gathering here or if I'm at somebody else's house and helping them with the cooking, I don't want to, especially on a holiday like Memorial Day or Fourth of July, which we We'll be up here in a few weeks. You don't have to sit down for just one meal. You know, enjoy the whole day. So when people are around here, I'll throw some sausages on. And then, you know, when I pull them off, I slice them up and they can stab them with a fork or whatever and munch on them like that. Um, that's with the little wings and drumettes or, um, you know, there's pork ribs that aren't like St. Louis style or, or mm-hmm. big ribs, you know, they're, they're kind of like neck ribs and they're much like a flanking rib and a piece of beef, which is just the pot bottom part of the, the rib cage that's been sliced off to make it even and make it pretty when it's in your uh, food or meat case at the store. So um, I like to, I like to graze like that, but back to your question about the sausages, um, that's really more that came out of the South and like Texas, um, because they, um, you know, some people do it here, but they made sausages, uh, early on, you know, a couple hundred years ago when the country was just kind of getting rolling, there were sausage makers and a lot of them were down South because they could make them, they could smoke them and they could hang them in the old fashioned smokehouses. My grandfather had a little smoke shed that he hung hams and stuff in and they would smoke for weeks, you know, in there. And so that's kind of where that came from. And, um, you know, some of them are very good. The big processed ones, you know, I always remember, I think it was George Carlin saying, you know, never pull the skin off a hot dog because you don't want to see what's on the inside. <laughs> no, you don't. You really don't. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And it's kind of the same thing uh, with sausages. I mean, it's we've obviously gotten better and improved and have more food safety than they did, you know, a couple hundred years ago. But still, you know, sausages are kind of fun. Uh, if you got kids around, there's nothing like, you know, throwing a 
good old fashioned hot dog on the grill and a warm bun and hand it to them and they're off and playing in the yard or something. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but good. sausages to me are always kind of a, a side dish. Um, obviously if I was, you know, from central Europe or something that might be different, but I live in Oregon, so we are different anyway. So I just make them as kind of appetizers. Oh, I like that, uh, that concept. And I want to uh, talk to you just for a few minutes about technique. And I think direct heat, indirect heat is always something of a challenge when you're trying to cook some, some form of protein. Uh, any mm-hmm. principles you can pass along about how to start out right in the direct heat or to the side? What's a, what's a technique that we can adopt in our, meager efforts and our aspirations to rise to your level of uh, skill. (laughs) You're too kind. Uh, Yeah. Just don't burn stuff. Um, That's, that's really the ultimate goal is not to, to burn stuff. Um, And when I say burn, I don't mean little char marks or something. I mean, I'm talking about, you know, crispy critter type deal. (laughs) Well, there's, there's a couple of ways to do it. You, you've got, you talked about, direct heat and indirect heat and that really applies to charcoal grills and gas grills it's kind of hard to do in a uh, pellet grill Mm -hmm. okay but so if you've got a gas grill let's start with that and you've got a three or four burner gas grill you turn the first two burners on light them get them up to whatever temperature you want uh, depending on what you're cooking and then you can leave the other one the other two grill uh, burners off. Now, when you close the lid, you've basically created an oven in there. So it's it's kind of uh, convection type cooking, if you will. But if you put the uh, the protein over the direct heat, um, there's there's lots of conversations now about what they call reverse searing. Uh, I never knew what that was called growing up, but we did it all the time because we would, uh, you could sear the meat and then put it on the, in the smoker. You know, people do this at home too. You can sear the meat in a cast iron skillet and then put it in the oven. Mm -hmm. Well, it's that same principle. You're, you're searing the meat on the direct heat side and then you're you're putting it over on the other side just to let the hot air kind of finish the cook. Or you can do it the other way. You can put it on the indirect side and bring the temperature up in, as the cooking process goes along. And then to finish it off, you can put it over the direct heat and leave it, depending again on what you're what you're doing. But let's just say a steak, maybe you would put it on that uh, direct heat for. Uh, a minute and a half aside, depending on the temperature of the grill. And that puts the nice, you know, bark, if you will, uh, finish on it. Um, that's called the, that, that brown stuff you see on a piece of steak is called the mail yard reaction. And that's just the breaking down of the, the tissue. Uh, and you get that nice brown look on it, you mm. know, that you want. Okay. so. Those there's there's two ways to do it. There's a lot of good information out there, like on YouTube and stuff. And you'll find that probably most of them are not exactly the same, but they're close enough to uh, help you find one that you think the end result looks like what you want to accomplish. And then um, 
you know, you can follow those instructions too if you want to get a little deeper into it. But the indirect and the direct, um, and you can do that. You know, you can take an indirect heat and take your uh, gas grill or your charcoal grill and turn it into a pizza oven if you wanted to. You know, you could make your pizza, you put it on a, they have stainless steel um, pizza pans. They also have, of course, uh, pizza stones now. Mm-hmm. You can put them on there, and that basically raises it up a bit from the direct heat. And then again, it's kind of convection cooking with that warm air all around it. And then you, you've got a super little pizza oven there. Well, it's fun to experiment with uh, all of these options. Again, we're talking with uh, Jeff Tracy. He is the uh, host or co-host, I should say, of Barbecue Nation, the only nationally syndicated radio show covering this kind of stuff. But you can hear it here in the Portland metro area, Saturdays from 2 to 4 on AM 860, The Answer. And it's uh, syndicated over uh, on over 100 stations all across the country. We're going to take a quick break. We'll be back to wrap things up with Jeff Tracy. Stay with us. You're listening to the Georgine Rice Show podcast. It's aired on 93.9 KPDQ. Hey, welcome back. You're listening to the Georgine Rice Show. We're trying to help you get ready for the holiday weekend so that you can grill like the pros. Okay, maybe not like the pros, but you can at least say you heard one talk about it, and that will impress your guests if your food doesn't. <laughs> Jeff Tracy joins us. He is a, a master griller, a master barbecuer, and much, much more. And he's also the co-host of a Barbecue Nation, 2 to 4 p.m. on AM860, The Answer, and syndicated all across the country. Okay, let's talk about this other stuff that you can grill. Uh, fruits and vegetables. Do you do much of, of that? Pineapple is great. Now, I don't think pineapple should be on pizza, but you can grill pineapple, <laughs> and it's absolutely delicious. And also watermelon. Okay, uh, grilling watermelon. That almost mm-hmm. seems like an oxymoron to me. How do you grill a watermelon, and as, as wet as it is, how does that end up? You just take it, slice your watermelon, you know, and then um, leave the rind on it, and you can just don't. Don't try to sear it because that's not going to work. But you can grill it at a temperature of, uh, say, 350 to 375, mm-hmm. somewhere in there. And you just kind of grill it, and it will put a little bit of a, a bark or a crust on it and then flip it over. And it kind of holds in all those uh, wonderful watermelon juices like that. And you can do that same thing with pineapple. Pineapple, you know, it's almost like a caramelization deal when you take a um, – get a whole pineapple and clean it up. Um, I leave the core in it um, and just slice them and put them on the grill and leave it on there for a minute or so, then flip it over to the other side uh, and and do that same thing. And it's a wonderful treat. Yeah, it sounds great. Now, peaches and nectarines are two other fruits that I often hear being grilled. Have you done those? Mm -hmm. I'm not a big peach fan, so they don't make the top 10 on my list all the time. And I don't know why, but I, because I love nectarines, but yeah, you can do that same thing and you can, you can grill them with, uh, you know, take the pit out and, uh, you can, you can leave some of them with the skin on that'll, that'll get a little charry sometimes if you're not paying attention to it and do the same process, you know, um, take the pit out put them on there, stack them on your grill, um, and then just watch them for a couple of minutes, and then you can flip them over and grill the other side. And then when you pull them off, you know, that skin will pull right off. Um, you know, if you want to eat, you know, little 
fuzzy skin. I guess you can, but I always pull it off. <laughs> yeah. And, and uh, you know, you can just eat it like that. And then if you want to make some sort of, you know, I don't know what you'd want, you can create your own, but some sort of dipping sauce for uh, like the nectarines and stuff. Mm, that you can do good. that. I just, I just eat them. Just as they are. Yeah, right off the grill. Yeah, yeah. Well, um, we, we're at the beginning. Most of us are at the beginning of the grilling season. We haven't had our, our grill or barbecue out all season long. Um, any mm-hmm. trend that we should be aware of as we are preparing to fascinate our guests with our culinary skills? Uh, well, first, make sure you might want to turn it on and clean it up before your guests get there. Get the little fuzzy things off the grates. Uh, the little biology projects, get that cleaned <laughs> up before they before they get there. Make sure, you know, your fuel sources, whether it's gas or pellets or wood or, you know, you have enough to make it through the day and do that. Those are just kind of practical things. Um, do that. The kind of the fun things, you know, we were talking about kind of grazing through the day of yeah. a holiday deal. That's kind of the fun thing to do when it's, I go to the store and I buy, uh, we've got a store down here that where I live that kind of specializes in but these big packages of little drumettes, they're little chicken drumettes, you know, kind of what you're paying 20 bucks for if you go to a Red Robin or something. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, you can get those. You can, you can season them, um, again, just with salt, pepper, garlic. Here's a trick that you might try at home, and I and I can recommend it for you. Um, rinse off your chicken and, you know, pat it dry with a paper towel or something, and then use some baking powder a little bit and rub it on each little piece of chicken, or you can just kind of shake it on there with a spoon and shake it on there. That baking powder will dry out the skin and let it sit there. You can throw it back in the fridge for a while if you want, or you can just let it sit on the counter because you're going to cook it and it's not going to hurt anything, but that baking powder will, and you can put your seasonings on top of that, but that baking powder, uh, Georgine, will make that that skin really crunchy on that chicken. So if you like really crunchy chicken skin, like I do, yeah. you can put a little put a little baking powder. Don't use baking soda. That would not be good. But baking powder, or you can use cornstarch if you want to, will will dry out that skin enough when you're cooking it to make it a nice, crunchy uh, deal. In fact, I think, to, well, they won't hear this in time. Well, they might. But tomorrow, I think on AM Northwest, I did a segment for them where I showed them how to do that with chicken wings for the holiday. And so it's pre-recorded. So, I, but I think they're airing it tomorrow. But you can do that, and it works out really well. Just using that little bit of baking powder uh, on on your chicken skin like that. Anyway, you have something like that for people to munch on as they're coming in before you go to cook the the main course, as it were, and they can graze throughout the day. Oh, that sounds and, absolutely great. Well, your eminence, I I appreciate so much. <laughs> yes, Princess, t- taking the time. Uh, to speak with us mere mortals about how to <laughs> how to cook meat uh, on a grill, uh-huh. and uh, I'm going to try several of the things that you mentioned. I like the baking powder on the on the chicken wings to make them crunchy because you don't want a soggy chicken wing of any kind. No, uh, no, even a, the chickens don't like cho- soggy chicken wings. <laughs> that's what I've heard. So just yeah. <laughs> just don't use too much. I mean, you can you just you know like uh, if you've got a 
dozen wings on your on your work board or platter, you know, and after they've been rinsed and stuff, maybe a teaspoon for a dozen wings okay. or so, maybe a little more than that. You don't want to really coat it on there. You just want to put it on there and get that drying action. There you go. Well, JT, thank you so much for talking with us today. I'd love to do this again a couple of times before the summer is behind us and to prepare for the fall because a lot of people are still grilling into the fall. Those of us who are yeah. wimps, we, we've faded by then, but <laughs> <laughs> for the diehards, <laughs> you're still going. Anytime, hey, thanks so much, and have a great holiday weekend. I look forward to seeing you tomorrow on uh, AM Northwest. Yeah, I should be on there. My segments usually roll about 930 or so. Well, I'll definitely uh, look for you. Yeah, we'll be there. Okay. <laughs> Thank you, Jeff. Thank you for having me. Yes. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Again, Jeff Tracy, the Cowboy Cook, host of Barbecue Nation. You can hear his program every Saturday on AM 860, The Answer, from 2 to 4 p.m. Hey, we are out of time. I want to thank James Blend for producing and engineering today's program. And thank you for making the Georgine Rice Show part of your day. Have a great night. Thanks for listening to the Georgine Rice Show podcast. If you'd like more information on today's guests, please visit the show at kpdq.com and like us on Facebook. And join us live every weekday at 4 for more critical thinking for critical times on 93.9 KPDQ. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.